You're listening to Beyond the Ordinary, a show about the companies, founders, and ideas that are shaping the future of health, science, and financial technology. Here's your host, Tommy Martin. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Beyond the Ordinary. We have a special guest here today. We have Tim Tebow, and many of you know him as a college football legend, two-time national champion, only player to ever be invited as a Heisman finalist three different times. But he's also known for being unashamed, but not pushy about his faith. And obviously, listeners, I hope that's kind of how you start to see me someday as well. A husband to wife, Demi also a broadcaster and an author. And we'll talk about that today, his book, Mission Possible, and what that's meant for me and hopefully what it will mean for you as well. But most importantly for me, he is the creator of the Tim Tebow Foundation. And they do things like Night to Shine, where they provide a great night for special needs children. They also do human trafficking rescues, really speaking in and taking care of modern day slavery and helping people get out of that. They support adoption. They support children with life-threatening illnesses. And it's so fun for me to have watched as an outsider for many years. And one of the things I saw in business, Warren Buffett decided he didn't need to set up his own foundation because he was so excited about what Bill Gates was up to. And that's ultimately what our family has decided as well. Why do we need our own foundation to do things like care about adoption and special needs children and rescuing people from sex trafficking? when there's already somebody doing incredible work in that space. We're so thrilled and thankful to partner with the Tim Tebow Foundation as we think about the future. And just in terms of one disclosure we have to do, we do have a financial relationship. Tim is one of our investors at Mammoth. We're proud to have him as a silent partner there. But he is one of our owners, so actually owns this show a little bit as well. But way more importantly than that, we're just so thankful to have you here today, Tim. Well, I appreciate it so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for caring about what we care about so much. And that is helping people in their darkest hour of need. And thank you for not just talking about it, but for acting upon it. And we're just so grateful and looking forward to this time. Well, Tim, you actually came into this world as a miracle baby. And a lot of our listeners may not have heard that story. Would you share that? The only reason I'm here is because my mom, when she got pregnant with me, the doctors told her at first that it wasn't even a baby, that was a massive fetal tissue. And then when they found out it was a baby, that if she would continue to go through with it, that it would cost her my life and it would cost her her life. But my mom, just being so courageous and so full of faith, trusted God. And I'm so grateful because my mom gave me a chance. And that's why I'm here today. And the doctor who had been helping women give birth for over 35 years was an expert at it and done it thousands and thousands of times when I was born. And when he handed me to my mom, he told my mom that it was the greatest miracle he's ever seen. And I'm so grateful because the placenta wasn't really attached and they weren't sure how I was getting nutrients and how I was able to survive. But I'm so grateful that God spared me and that I had a chance at life. And that's why I had the chance to hang out with you today. Well, we're certainly grateful. And, you know, I love it. You tell about this prayer that your father had. And he basically said, you know, God, if you want another preacher in this world, give me Timmy and I will raise him to be a preacher. Yeah, that's what my dad prayed. 
Before my mom was even pregnant with me, he was in the middle of a, a jungle in the Philippines and he was getting ready to preach and God just put on his heart. And so he was praying and he even got even put the name Timothy on his heart, which means honoring God. So he went home after that and, and told my mom, they already had four kids. And he said, hey, I think, you know, God put on my heart, we need to, to have another kid. And my mom's like, well, he didn't put that on my heart, you know. And uh, not long after that, though, she was praying about it. And she really felt convicted. And, and so then not too long after, I was brought into the world. Well, you've also lived up to that name. You know, Paul gives this charge to Timothy. He says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example. Even when you were in those teenage years, you already had this just competitive edge, just something that I don't think the world sees very often. You tell this story I've heard before. You were at this retreat and they had this bicep curling competition to curl 55 pounds. Yeah, to curl as many as you could. But I think what's also important about that story is I was just having a chance to be on the varsity team. It was leading into the season. And so it was a dream come true for me going into be my freshman year. I was you know, with my team and, and I'm so excited to be a part of this, right? And I've looked forward to my whole life and, and my team picks me to represent them on, on stage and I'm second to last and I know the guy behind me is stronger than me and, and I just wanted to do whatever I could to come through for my team and so nobody before us had done necessarily that many and so I was able to surpass that and get to 100 and 200 and I, I got to 300 and you know, my team's going crazy and I just was feeding off of the energy and got to 305, 310 and then I got to 315 and literally my my arms just, you know, I couldn't possibly do any more. And I dropped the bar and I literally had to go get IVs and I actually did a little damage to both of my biceps. <laughs> and maybe that's why my throwing motion wasn't as smooth as it should have been. But it was something that was so special for me. You get selected by your team to come through and you feel the pressure and the weight of it. And then to be able to see them cheer you on is so special. I was so competitive at such a young age and, and it wasn't just necessarily competing for just a win, but it was also what you represented. And I had the chance to represent for my team. And, and also what was funny about that is the guy behind me was so much stronger than me. I knew that. I knew that he was stronger and he was a defensive tackle at a six day high school and it wasn't even close for sure he's stronger. And so for me, the challenge was to do something that he wasn't willing to do. And I always feel like that's something that's so important in life is some people are really gifted, but I'm someone that believes that hard work beats talent and talent's not willing to work as hard, you know, and that person in that lift is more talented than me, but I wanted to do something that he wasn't willing to do. And I think, you know, it's something that applies to anything is, you know what, talent's important, but willingness is always something that is key. And I love even back then as a high school student, one of the things you thought about a lot was just somewhere he is out there training while I am not. And when we meet, he will win. I was a young boy. I don't remember how old, but pretty young. And I was watching March Madness and there's a commercial that comes on TV. And I believe it, the first shot was a kid maybe in China shooting a free throw. And then it started showing kids all over the world. It would cut to them as they're shooting a free throw too. And then it would show all these kids working and training. And then the quote, and Mike Krzyzewski, I believe was part of that commercial too. And it started to say that quote, somewhere he is out there training while I am not. And when we meet, 
he will win and shows another kid finishing the shot. And I didn't want to be that kid that was sitting down while someone else took that last shot. And it just was something that started to drive me where I would set my alarm in the middle of the night to wake up, to go train, because I thought nobody else in my city, in my state, and you better be in a different time zone if you're waking up right now, you know? And I knew I was getting an edge and it was always so important for me to, for whatever, in whatever way I could find an edge. And that was one of the ways that I tried to get a mental edge is when we finally get to those times of competition, I know they didn't set their alarm for the middle of the night. They didn't do that. They weren't willing to do that, you know? And so it was a way for me to gain confidence by gaining an edge and doing something that hopefully others weren't willing to, being the one that was out there when others weren't. And that then played into, even when things weren't going your way, being able to recover more quickly. I remember the first college touchdown pass you threw, so excited, and it gets called back on a holding penalty. (laughs) Yes. That's a good memory. There's no doubt about that. And But I think it's also what's so important, I think sometimes gets overlooked is in sports. One of the things that's so important about it is it teaches you perseverance and mental toughness when negative things happen. You know, is so many times we talk about comebacks, right, Tommy? But very rarely do we talk about setbacks. But to actually have a comeback, you have to have a setback. It's impossible for that not to happen. So, so many times in the backyard, right? We've probably all done it. We've said, okay, I'm down by six. I got to go score a touchdown, you know, with a minute to go. If you're down by six, that means you had a setback. That means you're losing. That means the game hasn't gone the way you wanted and you probably haven't played the way you should. But what's important in that mindset is not to focus on the last 59 minutes, but it's to realize, hey, I have one minute. The first 59 don't matter right now. What matters is this last minute. And we have a chance to have an amazing comeback. Watch. And that would be the mindset of is in that moment, okay, it gets called back. That's okay. Watch. We'll go back to back, right? It's trying to change your point of view and your perception and the mindset from one of, you know, what's happened in the past, I can't control anymore. So don't let it bother me. Don't let it worry me. But find the positives in the situation I can and let that be something that drives me. I love that. I love that. And, you know, good segue into some of the disappointment you had in not getting to live out your dreams in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. There was so many setbacks. Listen, if it went the way that I wanted, you know, I would still be playing and we would have won a few Super Bowls by now. You know, that would be the goal. And, you know, in that, there's a lot of disappointment. But I would also say, you know, I'm grateful for the highs that I've had the chance to go through because it's given me a platform. But I'm also grateful for the lows, Tommy, because I believe it's given me more of a testimony. But I also think a lot of times in life, the setbacks are also what God is setting you up for, what he's really called you to. And one good example would be this last year. I was so excited about the opportunity with the Jaguars. And they're like, here we go. This is going to be fun. We're going to do something special. And then I get cut like, I don't know, a day or two after my birthday. And I'm so disappointed. And I come home and I'm bitter and I'm irritated. I'm frustrated. And right around that same time is when everything started to go down in Afghanistan. And so we have people that are serving in, in the Middle East and serving there in Afghanistan and helping and evacuating people and getting them to safety and so many different things. So not long after that, I had an opportunity to to fly to the Middle East and we're helping in one country. And when I say there's desperation, I mean, it's severe desperation. And we leave that and we're flying to another country. And I remember sitting on the plane 
And for the first time in a long time, I was able to say, thank you, Lord, that you let me get cut. Hmm. Because if I wouldn't have been playing for the Jaguars and then I wouldn't have gotten cut, I wouldn't have been able to be here because I would have been playing baseball at that time. I would have been doing events. I might have been talking to you. I would have had stuff locked in where I wouldn't have been free to urgently go when nobody expected that to happen and then to be there in a matter of just a couple of days, right? And I wouldn't have had that freedom to be able to do it. But God used some setups that were setbacks to then set me up for ultimately what I knew was the most important thing I'm supposed to do, which is to help the most vulnerable people in the world in their darkest hour of need. And then being able to be in the Middle East to do that, it was like, oh my goodness, God, you have a bigger plan than me. You knew this was going to happen. You set it up for me to be in this position to do what I'm ultimately supposed to be doing. That's more important than any game I will ever play. You just started to talk about some of your personal passion, Tim, and this idea of the foundation of the Tim Tebow Foundation, this really started back when you were in college. You were already starting to think about using the platform that had been created around you to go much more than just for yourself, but beyond you to serving so many other people. Tell us about how that really started to formulate. Well, yeah, Tommy, actually, even before that is really when I was in high school, when I was 15 years old, I was in the, the jungles of the Philippines and a remote island. And I had the opportunity and the privilege of meeting a special young boy who was born with his feet on backwards. And because of that, his village looked at him as cursed, as insignificant, as a throwaway. But I knew that day that he wasn't a throwaway to God. And I felt like God was putting on my heart that he better not be a throwaway to me. And I knew that day that I was supposed to fight for people just like that boy that couldn't fight for themselves, supposed to fight for boys and girls like that, that have been overlooked and have been outcast all around the world because they're different. And that was something that motivated me and inspired me. And it was something that was so deep in my heart that I didn't know exactly how I was going to do that or what even I'm supposed to do. I didn't know the initiatives that one day we would start. I just knew for every boy and girl like this who's been viewed as less than, as insignificant, as overlooked, as not important, they're important to God and they better be important to me. And we get into college and I graduate. And the first thing that I did afterwards, I mean, literally, it was only hours later was we started the, the Tim Tua Foundation in our mission statement was one of the easiest parts of that. Because when I was writing the mission statement, all I had to do was think about that boy. (laughs) And our mission statement is to bring faith, hope, and love to those needing a brighter day in their darkest hour of need. You see, what that boy needed that day was he needed faith, hope, and love. And he was in his darkest hour of need. And that's really what we're called to. So now Because of so many supporters like yourself and God opening so many doors, we're now in well over 70 countries serving so many people. And really where we've been called is if you're an orphan, if you've been thrown away, if you have been abandoned, if you have special needs, if you're being trafficked, that's where we're called. That's who we're called to. And specifically, that's where we're going to fight, fight for those in their darkest hour of need. And that's just something that, that God has let us do now with 16 different initiatives and now over 70 countries. And our, our hope and our prayer is that one day maybe we could be able to serve in all the countries around the world because there's so many people that are hurting and they desperately need us to remember them 
and not just remember, but love them enough to act on their behalf because they're worthy of it. Well, listeners, I'm actually a massive beneficiary of what Tim's just talking about. As some of you know, I have a special needs daughter we adopted from overseas. She actually got to go to her first night to shine this past year. Getting emotional just talking about it, man. It was one of the most special nights of her life to have this incredible young man from our community say to her, I want to take you and to come pick her up all dressed up, take her out and just help her feel special. She talks about it ever since she has pictures in her room. It's just become such a cool thing for her. And so in follow up, what our family gets to do now is actually go with some of the foundation's people next year to actually celebrate in Guatemala their night to shine. We are just so pumped to be able to do that. You're going to love it in Guatemala too. It is awesome. So many amazing people there that we love so dearly. And I'm fortunate enough to have been able to celebrate Night to Shine there and some of the best times and moments of my life. That's incredible. You know, so many of our listeners, maybe they know you as this kind of outspoken athlete, but you've really gone beyond that into all this work you're doing in philanthropy, also as an investor. And so I want to wrap us up today. I want to talk about your book, Mission Possible. You're really just trying to inspire other people to step into their God-given gifts. And so let's talk about that for a little bit. And then we'll wrap up on some of the investments that you're doing that are actually intersecting with your passions and how exciting that is with things like campus. You know, Tim, people just kept asking you these questions as you'd be out speaking or or meeting with people. They'd ask you things like, what's God's will for my life? Or they'd say, how can I find my calling? What's my purpose? And that was happening a lot. I love how you took action even on that to put a book together to try to really answer those questions for people. And that's really the heart behind Mission Possible, Go Create a Life That Counts, is to encourage every single person that they do have a mission but then is equally to encourage them as their mission is possible. Possible literally just means to be able. You are able to accomplish your mission. It doesn't mean we'll be able to accomplish beating LeBron James one-on-one in basketball. It doesn't mean you can accomplish making a billion dollars, but you can go live out a life that truly counts. You can go make a difference. You can use your gifts, talents, abilities for good. There is something that is significant that you can do. And I wanted to encourage people in their gifting and their equipping and the choices that they get to make, that they choose to make, that they truly can live out a life that counts. And that was really the inspiration behind it. I love that. And, you know, you give people four really, really solid and introspective questions to ask themselves. And I think that's such a foundational part of where the book starts. And we won't spoil all of it. Go check it out. It's been absolutely instrumental for me. But those four questions, what do you enjoy doing? Such a critical, such a critical question. You know, it's so important to start there because you want to ask yourself, what's your passion, right? What do you enjoy doing, right? And because so many times your passion and your calling can be linked, right? What do you enjoy doing? What is something that inspires you? Do you remember what God has done in your life? You're merging all of these things together for good, you know? And then also adding in, what are you equipped? Where are your talents and your abilities, right? And so many times all of that is linked into one of what ultimately can be your mission. And then who do you want to help the most? Right. That's where you're called, you know? Being able to touch on 
where you're called is you think about, you know, it's just what I was mentioning about where God has, has touched your heart, where he's touched your life. For me, it was a, a boy who was an outcast in the Philippines. And there's so many times it's been so many similar situations. And so where I feel I'm called is I'm called for the least of these, the outcast, the abandoned, because they're not outcasts. They're not less than. They're so important. They're so valuable. They were worth Jesus dying for. They're definitely worth us fighting for. And so I think those are important questions to ask, right? Like, what do you care about? What are your giftings? Who do you want to make a difference in? And then what do you want your ultimate legacy to be, right? And you're asking all these questions, right? And then it's important for us to all stop and give a serious answer, not one that we want people to to view us a certain way, but you're just talking to yourself or, you know, your husband or your wife or your family and you're really viewing yourself. Where am I? What are my giftings? Who do I want to make a difference in? What do I love to do? Because ultimately those questions are such important questions. I get fortunate to meet a lot of people that they do things they hate their whole life. And I'm like, why are you still doing it? You know, or they're like, man, I really want to go help these people. And then I'll ask them up, say, honestly, I don't mean this sarcastically or demeaningly at all. I just, can I ask you why you haven't? And so many times it's when we just step back and maybe ask those questions and try to give a real sincere answer, it can really help us, I think, on the path of trying to gain clarity of kind of more of what we're called to do. And I love, I love the next question of what problem do you want to help solve? So going back to some of what you've already asked of what legacy do you want to leave? Yeah. And if the problem people are trying to solve is they want to make more money, even with entrepreneurs, I always try to coach them like, don't start a business to go try to make a lot of money. Go start a business to solve a big problem. So true. It's so important to have that mindset because there are so many problems out there that we all see something differently. And so we might be able to be the one that can help solve that problem. And not just in a way of success, but also in a way of significance is there might be able to be real value that can actually help and bless other people by you solving that problem. And I think then the last question is, are there any themes in what you read, listen to, talk about, research? Maybe you don't even realize you're passionate about something or that you've started to really care about this specific thing. But if you find yourself constantly reading, listening, talking about it, looking into it, you might actually have some passion there. That's right. And it probably somewhat linked to ultimately what you want to do and you realize it there at the end right? That, oh my gosh, all these themes. Well, is there something going back to the first question? What do I want to do? And then I can, it might see an overlap, but maybe there's a way that I can look back and I could say, these are the themes, but what could I do to somewhat make an impact in these? Absolutely. And, you know, Tim, one of the things I appreciate is you had this platform moving before you met Demi. And, you know, as that relationship forms, I know that was an important, critical piece of having a partner to move these things forward. And I just want to throw it out because I'm sure people would love to hear. We all love hearing stories. But what was it like proposing? I mean, if we're just being honest, full of a lot of lies, you know, because with a lot of surprises, usually comes a lot of lies. So I had like 50 people that were in on this massive lie. I was flying in her family and her best friends from South Africa. So they're all lying to her. 
I'm lying to her, saying why she can't get in contact with her family. We made this huge live. We're heading over to my parents' farm because we always have this Christmas dinner, which we never have it over there. But anyways, and so there's all these massive lies. And then to have so many friends and family that are there hiding to surprise her, you know, hopefully after she says yes. And her favorite artist from South Africa is there to surprise her too. And so all these surprises and it just was so awesome. I'm so grateful for that day because it was literally one of the best days. And I'm so grateful that, you know, we were able to pull off all of those surprises and most importantly that she said yes. Absolutely. And, you know, you actually tell this in your book, Tim, but one of those lies that you told was we got my dad a new truck. Yeah, I just was like so nervous that she's going to find out. So I literally had one of our friends who has a car dealership dropped off a brand new truck with a bow on it. And I said, this is what we're going to give to my dad. And another surprise that was the night before is I gave her a ring, but not an engagement ring. And so she's like, dang it, I just got a ring. There's no chance I'm going to get another. That's a jerk move. That is a jerk move. But in the best way possible. Yes. And so all of this to throw her off. And so we're driving it over there. And she's like, okay, you want to go in and tell your dad and have him come out and get the truck? I was like, yeah, yeah. But we got to walk out here where I had all the, the roses and the archway put up and everything. And so we did that first. And she said yes. And her favorite artist came out and was singing and all this. And her family surprises her. But then at the end, she's like, but Timmy, what about the, the truck? And I was like, oh, no, that's not actually really for dad. And so she goes up to my dad. She's like, Mr. Tebow, I'm so sorry that you didn't get a brand new truck, but you did get a new daughter. And uh, that was pretty sweet. Way better Christmas gift for sure. Well, Tim, this has been absolutely fantastic. We get to go into my favorite part of the show where I get to ask two questions. One is the question everybody wants to know. And actually, it's the question I want to know. And then we'll wrap up with the real question that everybody wants to know. So so here's the question I would like to know. You've moved beyond athlete, celebrity to philanthropist with the foundation and also investor. And one of the things you've been able to do in a way that is just so admirable is invest in a way that aligns with your values. And one of my favorite things is campus. It was such an intersection with what you've done through college sports and the SEC and obviously the University of Florida. But talk to us a little bit about campus and also about this aspect of making sure there's alignment in your investment with your character. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I can touch on both of those. I think number one for me is what I want to be a part of is it has to have three things. It has to have great people, has to have great product, has to have great purpose, right? If it's missing one of those, just probably isn't the right deal. Life's too short. I want to be around great people. I want to build great relationships. That matters to me. It's just too important, right? Even if a deal might be successful, but you're going to be in it with so many, you know, you want to be around great people. It's just, it's too worth it, you know? You got to build great relationships. I want to be around great people. And then I want the product, right? I want the products to help people. I want it to make a difference in their life, right? Being able to be a part of clean juice, right? I believe that's going to make people healthier. Being a part of Restore Hyper Wellness, I believe that's going to make people healthier. Being a part of New School, I believe that's going to make people healthier, right? These are all things that I believe that product can make them better. And that's things that get me really excited, right? It's not something that I believe is going to make them worse. It's going to make them better. So I can genuinely tell people to go get this or pick this up or be a part of it or go to the store, or go get an IV, go be able to get an organic drink, be able to do this because I think it's going to help 
people. And then the last one is there's got to be a purpose behind it. And sometimes the product can also be the purpose because it can be helping them. But then all these ways we've talked about, there's the back end deal of that when they do get successful, they're also going to be able to, you know, give it to different nonprofits and events and things to be able to be significant. Because ultimately, Tommy's success is just about us, but significance is about other people. And, you know, I want to be a part of companies that are not only successful, but more importantly, significant by making a difference in other people's lives. And then to answer your question about campuses, I love campus because campus is the intersection between technology, sports, and crazy fandom. And I love it because we get to connect all three in a brand new way that I think because of technology has never really been done before. And so we get to give fans the opportunity to own, maximize, and connect with their favorite players, fans in a brand new way. You get the chance to support athletes in a way that they've never had the chance by connecting them and helping them build their brand in a way never been done before. And it's a win-win for the fan, the athlete, the university, and us as campus all together. And so that's just something that has been so fun. And shoot, just here in the next few weeks, we have so many drops of around a thousand athletes. So if you want to check those out, go to campus.io because it's going to be really, really fun here in the next few weeks. And this business wasn't even possible four years ago when NIL didn't exist because there was no way for you to go help these college athletes build their brands that supported them. But that came around at the perfect moment for you to be able to step into that space and with that purpose and say, this isn't just about us. We're also going to take care of these athletes and allow them to build and grow. It's just been absolutely incredible. Well, really what I also want to help athletes do is I want them to maximize and even monetize off the opportunity they have now. But it's not just about now. That's such a small view of it. It's building their brand so that they can have an impact and influence and leadership and also finances for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years where you're not just here thinking about one year, two years, three years, four years, right? But you're thinking about being able to grow this over the course of your lifetime, which is really exciting to me because, you know, one of the things that really kind of grieved me a little bit was about 78% of NFL players go broke within, I think it was three years of not playing. And I just thought, man, there's something that we're missing there. And so it's not just a financial thing. It is a holistic thing of bringing all these together. And there's two other really cool things about campus is that we have a five for all fund. And so when we partner with the university and we're doing drops for all these athletes, If you're signed up with us, then 5% of our proceeds are going to all of the athletes. So even if you don't sell a lot, you're still going to benefit. And then we also have a helping hands fund with it that when we find athletes, you know, current or former that are down on their luck, that have been injured, that have been hurting, that's our helping hands fund where we want to step up and lift them up because they've given us so many memories and moments over the years. And now we're going to be able to give them a helping hand. That's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And listeners, what you're hearing is a guy that is living life on purpose and living life on mission. And that's what you learn about in this book, Mission Possible, is how do you actually define that? How do you make sure you push into that so that you can live a lot more intentionally? Yeah. 
and absolutely love that. So we're going to wrap up on the last question, which is the question that a lot of people actually want to know. So maybe they did only know you from this athletic realm previously, but today they're hearing about all this incredible work you're doing through the Tim Tebow Foundation. If they want to get involved in that, what is the best way for them to take action? They can go to timtofoundation.org and check it out. They can support, they can pray, they can be defenders, they can be advocates, they can be prayer warriors, they can be a part of Night to Shine, they can help their local church sign up, they can help internationals. There's so many ways to be involved, but we're just so grateful. And and what I would say to to all the listeners is, you know, maybe you want to come and support us. That would be awesome. But that's not really my ask. My ask is that wherever you have been called, that prick on your heart, Maybe it's with someone different. There's so many great organizations and nonprofits and churches and NGOs. It might not be with us, but I hope it's with someone because there is someone somewhere that is waiting on you to make a difference, to step up. And you might have the opportunity to be an answer to their prayer. And let's not wait on that. Well, listeners, there's nothing better we could wrap up with than that. So thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us right here on the On the Ordinary. And I hope we'll see you right back here next week. Thank you, guys. God bless. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Ordinary. This podcast is brought to you by Mammoth and produced by Reverb. If you like this show, consider sharing it with a friend. You can subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about Mammoth and Beyond the Ordinary, visit us at mammoth.vc.com.